Well, um, Genesis 19 is talking about the judgment on Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, these uh, men, who were actually angels, came and warned Lot, who warned his family, uh, that they needed to escape. Lot was somewhat reluctant with some uh, additional prodding from the angels. They managed to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah before God rained fire and brimstone down on those cities. And uh, Mrs. Lot uh, was really regretting leaving and evidently, you know, turned back and uh, longingly wanted to, uh, to, to return and she turned into a pillar of salt. Now that's kind of the story. What? Now look at 27 to 29. Okay. It says, Now Abraham arose early in the okay. morning and went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Now, <coughs> one of the things you see in that section, why was Lot saved? Because of Abraham. Yeah. That Abraham's intercession, while it had not served to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, seems to have been a factor in God's willingness to spare Lot and his family. So Abraham may have accomplished more in that intercession than what we would have thought. But I, I, I suggest a little bit of this, but I'm going to, to go back to this idea. You know, think about Lot kind of as a whole. You know the story of why he moved down towards Sodom to begin with, right? What was he seeing there? The well water. Yes. This is going to be good for him in terms of his uh, agriculture, you know, in terms of his business, his job, his, his finances. When Lot made that choice, Lot was not thinking about the better things. He wasn't thinking about the Lord, about spiritual considerations. He wasn't even thinking about Abraham, his older, apparently, uncle, who had generously given him the choice. He chose for himself what he thought would help him in prosperity. So, you know, Lot, at that point, looked like he made a good choice. You know, and as you see him in the progress of the story, first he moves his tent towards Sodom. Then the next time you see him, he's living in Sodom. And by the time we see him in chapter 19, where was he in Sodom? He was at the city gate. Which probably means? He was a ruler. Yeah, an official of some sort. You would have perhaps at that moment written, subtitled, The Biography of Lot, you know, from a tent to City Hall, or something like that. You know, here's a successful man, he's managed to, you know, increase his holdings and become a respected, you know, leader in a great city like Sodom. But now, what if you were to, you know, look at it just a, a moment after that, when, when the city goes up in smoke? You know, how did Lot's move affect the city of Sodom? It didn't, it didn't save it, did it? Didn't seem to have helped anything. 
Really, I think only Abraham could have helped the city. You know, a man like Lot, who's willing to blend in and compromise more and who doesn't put spiritual things as the main goal, is not going to be likely to help. You know, he sort of moved in with the world, but when you move in with the world, you can't help them. When you just kind of, when, when he becomes an important official, but nothing happens spiritually in Sodom, it makes you wonder, you know, what he was doing. Well, how did the move affect Lot's spiritual life? What do we know from Peter about how Lot felt during the time he was in Sodom? He vexed his righteous soul day it, after day, so he's concerned. Yes, it was troubling. It was, he didn't have peace. You know, it, you can imagine living in that kind of environment how how hard that would be how just disgusting it would be you're not going to have peace when you're kind of on the fence you know when he's still an official in Sodom and yet oh this this kind of behavior you know uh, is not good well what what if we ask the question how did the move affect Lot's family corrupted yes Lost his wife out of it. Lost the virginity of his daughters, as we'll see in a moment. And so forth and so on. It really was a disaster for his family. That's something people ought to think about. You know, let's say, okay, well, I need, I need to make a career move to such and such a place. And, well, spiritually, it's a wasteland. <laughs> you know, there's not, there's not going to be helpful, but... I'm pretty strong. I've been a Christian for a long time. I think I can weather it. Well, how about your family? How about your kids? How about your wife? Your husband? You know, will they be able to handle that? You know, that's something we ought to think about. But I think Lot was too busy climbing the ladder to do that. Well, let's ask the last question. Just how much money did Lot really get when it was all said and done out of this move? Looks like he lost it all. He lost everything he had. You know, so the move didn't help the city. It didn't help Lot's peace of mind. It hurt his family. And he lost all the things he had moved there for. It is not wise to make choices that we don't give the Lord the top priority in making. You know, when we think... Well, I just got to do this because my career depends on it. You know, my finances depend on it. Well, but, but is this a wise decision spiritually? How is this going to affect us, you know, in our relationship with God? How is it going to affect my family? Now, there may be a time to move to Sodom to teach the people of Sodom and to seek to convert them to the Lord. That, that may not be all bad, but that sure wasn't what Lot was doing. <laughs> he wasn't moving there for that. He was moving there because, man, those are good pasture lands down there. And so I just think there's a tremendous lesson to be learned from this. And I, I've, I've, I've thought about this several times. I've seen many other situations. This is probably the first time that it impacted me. There was a, a, a boy many years ago, I just started preaching, that uh, got a cool athletic scholarship at a school in a place where there weren't churches anywhere close. He had been a pretty strong guy and lost his faith while he was in college. 
he didn't think about that. You know, that wasn't a consideration of his. He got the scholarship there. You know, you don't get athletic scholarships, and he was not in one of the uh, more popular uh, athletic uh, pursuits. You don't get those everywhere. So, you take advantage of it. You'd be foolish not to. That's what everybody'd say. But if it, if you lose yourself out of it, it looks to me like that's worth a whole lot more than the college or the scholarship or whatever else. And over and over again, people have made lots poor choice, and it's impacted them severely. Comments and questions on all that? All right, well, the rest of the story of Lot, this is probably the most disappointing, 30 to 38. Lot went up from Zor and stayed in the mountains and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zor, and he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. Then the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and let us lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It came about on the morning that the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she rose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. As for the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Amah. Bin Ami. He is the father of of the sons of Ammon to this day. Alright, so Lot ends up in a cave in the mountains. Uh, he and his two daughters. You know, a far cry from Sodom's paradise where he ended up, isn't it? And the daughters are worried about what? Family preservation. Yes, I think that's exactly right. And they don't have a lot of options on that score. There's only one man there in the cave with them. And that's their own father. And so, what? how do they prepare their father for what they're going to do? They get him drunk. What does that tell you about what they think about their father? Not much respect. Well, not much respect, but... He can be manipulated pretty easy. When he's drunk. Mm -hmm. Now, they evidently realized that he wouldn't do this and he wouldn't approve of this if he were sober. So they recognize that this is against his principles. That's why they have to get him drunk to do this. I think that shows that Lot did have some principles, at least they saw it that way. I mean, there'd be some people that they could just say to their dad, hey, let's do this, and they'd be okay with it. Uh, and after being in Sodom, you know, wow. But, but obviously that wasn't Lot, so they get him drunk, and then first one goes into them, to him, and then the other. You know, what do you think about the reasoning of his daughters? What does it show you? 
Lack of trust. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's pretty short-sighted. <laughs> Do what? Short-sighted. Short-sighted, twisted. What does all that show you about these two daughters? They've been affected. They grew up in Sodom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what happens when you grow up in Sodom. You know, you don't reason right when you allow the Sodomites to influence you. Now, I understand it's possible to grow up in a bad place and maintain our focus on the Lord. But when we grow up somewhere and that somewhere starts affecting our way of thinking, our values, and our decision-making, we're liable to do something like they did. This is really outrageous. But it doesn't seem outrageous to them. You know, and it won't. You start letting Sodom just affect the way you reason about things, and pretty soon some things that used to seem outrageous to you may seem almost normal. That's the danger. You know how often the Israelites were warned about the influence of the nations around them. Why? Because it changes the way you think about things. And uh, you, you see how the first one went in, and, and as soon as she does, she wants the other one to. You know, sinners are cowards. They never want to sin by themselves. They want somebody else to be guilty along with them. And both of them end up bearing children. And you know their offspring by the names of the children, don't you? Lot and his daughters become the uh, progenitors of which nations? The Moabites. Moabites and the Ammonites. Now, by the grace of God, who was the most famous, important, significant descendant of in either of these? Ruth. Ruth. It is an amazing thing. But by the mercy of God, one of Moab's descendants, Ruth, ends up in the lineage of Jesus. You know, God can work good out of some of the most horrible situations. And it's just hard to imagine that Ruth came out of all this. So that's an encouraging thing to see, even in some of the most depraved circumstances, God can bring some good. Comments and questions on chapter 19. So it's, it's probably worth asking ourselves a question, you know, what are, we, what are we doing with our families today that expose them to environments like Sodom, and are we are we thinking about the the impact and the outcome? And are there things when we live in Sodom? What can we do to keep our children from being influenced by the thinking and the values of Sodom? Well, people in every generation from the beginning of time who were godly and were serving God had to live differently from their culture. They, they could not partake of a culture like this, and neither, neither can we. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, it's troubling, I think, when you see Lot in the gates of Sodom. When you see Lot, you know, having apparently one political office. You know, because, I mean, what do we do? It's not only that we live in worldly environment, but we long for acceptance, approval, you know, recognition, popularity. 
that's even much more dangerous. You know, instead of living realizing they're not going to think I'm cool, they're going to really make fun of me, they're going to exclude me, they're going to reject me, they're going to discriminate against me, but that's the way it is. We're not from the same place. I'm a foreigner here. We've got to always maintain that mentality. But how many, how many times do parents biggest wishes for their children that their children be popular and accepted and that they be successful in the world. Those are really not the things you want to wish for your children. <laughs> because those things are really dangerous. We want them to maintain their purity and their faith and their distinctiveness as the people of God in an alien culture. We've got to think that way. And then we've got to work hard to keep our children, you know, with the right mindset. But when, when what we want for ourselves is popularity and success, we're sure not going to do a good job of that with our children. Other thoughts? At the same time <clears throat> that Lot was sitting in the gates of the city, you know, the same time frame, the angels came and found Abraham sitting in the door of his tent. <laughs> so Good there had obviously been some time that passed for Lot to get to that position, but Abraham had not, uh, you know, bettered his, his living conditions intentionally, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, you know, Abraham never really belonged. I mean, we'll see a little later, he does buy one plot of land. For what purpose? Burial. <laughs> you know, otherwise he doesn't seem to have had, you know, any real estate anyway. Seems to have always lived in tents. You know, you see him with more the pilgrim mentality. Uh, which is the right mentality to have. Everywhere he goes, he's building an altar. Exactly, that's his <laughs> construction projects. Yeah. Which is really impressive as well. I wonder why Lot was afraid to stay in Zor. Too close, maybe to Sodom and Gomorrah, afraid the same thing would happen to it. <laughs> but the people there didn't like him because he came from Sodom on the heels of a big destructive force, I mean. That, yeah. Why, uh, why, why do, why would his daughters assume that they could not find any husbands uh, at this point in their lives? Underpopulated cave? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what keeps you in the cave? Right. That I don't know. But that seems to be what they're doing. Yeah. Just living in the cave. But I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Well, they seem so presumptuous about everything. <laughs> You're right. I mean, yeah. We're, we're going to do this and we're going to have children by our father. And I, <laughs> it wouldn't always work that way, would it? It would not. <laughs> yeah. Do you conclude that they had seen Lot be drunk before? Or is that just, we, we know how this works for drunk people? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I wonder what they did to get him drunk. You know, I mean, did they talk him into drinking or did they spike his punch? I don't know. 
So that might be a question. Did he voluntarily drink whatever it was, or did they have to somehow deceive him in that? I don't know. Because I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, you know, they fled from one city and everybody's dead, and then they flee from a second city. And I can see him sitting there being depressed and overwhelmed and unmotivated to do anything, unafraid, or afraid to do anything, and sitting there drowning his sorrows on a regular basis. And his daughters are going, Dad's not going to do anything. We're not going to go to another town. So yeah, that type of... Could be. Does this remind you of anybody? Uh, it's not what I, somebody already in the book of Genesis? Mm. Noah. Noah. You know, sin when they were drunk, uh, or at least, you know, occasion of sin. And, and, and both of them were saved from the wrath of God, and then ended up falling into sins somewhat reminiscent of those that had been destroyed. You know, it's, it's kind of discouraging, you know. Even the best ones don't stay really good. We've already seen the character of the daughters by the husbands that they had previously You're right. been engaged to, or the men that they were engaged to. You're right, yes. Well, you just imagine. I'm assuming they've been there a while now. I bet those girls are really worldly. <laughs> And it's kind of, you know, it's also, you know, so ironic that drunk Lot ends up doing what he kind of offered to the men of Sodom to do with those girls. You know, that's really kind of disgusting all the way around. It appears that Abraham would have had to barter all the way down to one to save Sodom, and I'm not sure if that would have done it. <laughs> Yeah, you realize the generosity of the Lord when in Peter he calls him righteous lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I guess by comparison, but wow. Other thoughts? I had never thought of Lot as being an official in the city. Whenever I see him sitting in the gates, I see him like sort of like on the lookout for visitors so that he can take them into his house where they'll be safe as opposed to being <laughs> well know. could be but normally the phrase sitting right, in the gate yeah. refers to an official yeah or a judge of some kind right yes yeah, somebody in you know the town council or whatever other thoughts people of the world admire pros prosperity and it, apparently he's prospering in Sodom. And so he's, I, I'm thinking about the farmer who tore down his barns, built greater ones. Um, you know, he had to be farmer of the year. <laughs> and so here's, here's Lot, and I mean, he is a prosperous businessman and sitting at the gate. Yeah. Great success story. Did we ever hear any more about Lot? Uh, no. There's nothing else. No, yeah, right, like that. But I don't think there's anything else historically about Lot. I don't think so.
there's really nothing else to tell about it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right about that. Well, he eventually <laughs> came out of the cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the grandsons did. Or yeah, that's right. We know more about that, but had to get out of that cave sooner or later. Sons slash grandsons. Yeah, yeah, whatever they were to him. I don't know what that makes them. That skips a whole generation. Right <laughs> that's hard to... Yeah, that's not good. Sure. I mean, it's amazing how corrupt the world was so quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, you think, well, only these things only occur in, you know, raunchy movies, and they occurred all the way back in Genesis. And I mean, they happen. There's so much stuff that goes on. I think, you know, sometimes you think, well, why does the Bible tell you about all these horrible things? Well, the truth is, we're in the same boat. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I mean, wow. You just hear more and more and more about ah, some really bad kinds of things that happen in, in similar kinds of situations. It's, uh, you know, men are really, when they don't have God, they really go off the deep end. And some of them, you would have thought they had God. It's interesting about the names of the children. It says that Moab means from the father, hmm. and Ben Ami means son of my people. Interesting. Anything else on 19? All right, well, chapter 20, kind of uh, deja vu here. Um, I guess. Uh, I think we're just going to read the whole chapter because it's it's all one story. So would somebody read chapter twenty? 